Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and Ashley. Ashley Ham, star of the Martha world. Martha Mink. <laughs> We should really start like a little telegram business where we sing telegrams for people. You know what? That's exactly what we need to do is start a are you, business. Are you, are you traumatized? Listen to this song and then we'll sing them a song about <laughs> how healing is lifelong and you are not alone. This is true. We should we should do that. I did send that. I felt so uh, someone was going through something else uh, that's not related to the NICU, like a life trauma thing and I literally could I just like went and copy and pasted a bunch of stuff on our website and I was like look at all this because it just applies it doesn't matter what you're going through anyway um it's hot where I am at I wish it was fall but it isn't quite up where we are um but fall means so many things for those in our community it means back to school and cold and flu season lol r.i.p t.t.y.l um and also for you, Ashley, such a busy time, such a busy it time because you run a um, global nonprofit <laughs> and then also have <laughs> another job. And Are sometimes gonna... for fun, I just look at jobs online just to see yeah. what's out there. What's wrong with me? Oh, wait, I'm an Enneagram three. Yeah. That's what you... I do. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay? I don't know. I, anytime you ask that, you're like, where, people, that's something that happens a lot in the girls night out is they'll be like, oh, where are you on a scale of one to I was like, how do we, I didn't even know, I didn't know there would be a quiz. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, I'm actually doing pretty good today though, because it has, it's finally broken the heat a little bit. It's like yeah. 75. It's kind of rainy, cloudy. So it's a good day to be inside recording this podcast. So I'm very excited. Well, your skin looks super great and glowy. Well, if you were to see up close, you'd see my hormonal acne all mm. up down here. <laughs> I've got two right here. It looks like I've got two Marilyn Monroe piercings, but they're red yeah. and pus. What so. if you just so pussed? What if you, <laughs> you, what if you, you took a Sharpie? No, we're going to keep that. What if you took a Sharpie and just colored them black and then they became beauty marks? That'd be great. I guess I look like like that would be like a like it's <laughs> Two like a reverse reverse <laughs> vampire situation or I don't know. Uh, I have been double cleansing though and I I do like it. It is. It does help a lot. And I know that's that's LOL because look at this, but I'm going to get them no matter what, but it helps well, no matter so what. bad. Yeah. Oh, I'd rather get 2 than 50. Exactly. It's crazy. But yeah, double cleansing. Uh, you know what? It's so gross. This is not Nikki related. I'm so sorry. But but it you, is hormonal related. It is hormonal. We are all hormonal women. So there we go. When you use the micellar water or whatever it is that you use, but the micellar water, I use a cotton pad to wipe it off, right? And it in the morning, I wash my face like the night before. And it's like so disgusting. And I'm just like, I'm a gross. I'm like Shrek, <laughs> you know, just walking around. <laughs> In the best way. You are beautiful and loved just as you are. Well, speaking of people who are beautiful and loved, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm thinking about our guest today. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes we interview on this uh, wonderful podcast experts in the field of neonatology and maternal mental health. And then sometimes we get the wonderful special gift of having parents just like you, NICU parents and alumni that come on to the podcast and share their story about who they are. And, uh, Today's guest is super special because even though we've only known them for approximately two years, LOL, right? Feels or so something like that, two or three yeah. years. Um, we've I feel like we've known you forever. And we've um we also are extremely blessed to have um this guest as one of our team members who helps us as a moderator for the uh Dear Nikki Mama Facebook group, which has it's like almost 7,000 members or something like that. It's crazy. So welcome <laughs> to the stage, Jessica McCloskey. Woo! Hello. <laughs> Who's that girl? It's Jess. 
Yes. That's you. <gasps> yes. We should have played that introduction for you. It's okay. <sighs> I just sang it. It's fine. I missed that opportunity as a creative director. <laughs> Darn it. I think that just is. Okay, a couple of things. Because every time we have a team member on, we just like love bomb you for approximately (laughs) five to seven minutes. So Mm -hmm. um, a couple of things. I think that Jessica is so real, so (laughs) fun, and also just like a walking love bomb herself. Mm -hmm. I love how you take care of people and like in such a special and unique way and you are so tenderhearted and you're nurturing, which obviously lends itself to the work that you do. But (laughs) you also, we were so surprised when we got to meet you in person. We had a retreat last year and oh my gosh, you had us all in stitches. You're so funny. Oh, yeah. You took us by surprise in the best way. I remember the after the first night, I looked at Martha and I was like, she is so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. We knew you were fun, but then meeting you, it was like a new level. It took us all by surprise. It's like severe only science, only child syndrome. I um, <laughs> just like have all these things I want to say. And when I'm around so many people, of course, I'm going to share it with you. And I'm going to tell you how you are not Shrek. You are Fiona. Right. I'm like hot Fiona. Like yeah. Shrek the musical Fiona. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Even at the end, I feel like, you know, even when she's green, she's she's a babe. So maybe that's yeah. And you know what? She chose mom. Yeah, and she she's... chose to be green. You know, at the end of the day, she could have mm-hmm. gone back to being like the blondie mm-hmm. perfect little princess, but she chose to be green. She probably you know, the mud in the swamp probably was a good double <gasps> Wait, cleanser. Did you guys know okay. that the the guy who sings the Smash Mouth guy died? Oh, yeah. The guy who sings All Star, he died. I, I saw that. And I was like, failure. no. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Liver failure. Yeah. Oh. Because you know a rock star. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it tracks. <laughs> or if you've had severe preeclampsia. Mm, true. There you go. But I'm help. Bring, hashtag help. Bring syndrome. it back. <laughs> I don't know if oh, you yeah, remember, yeah. Martha, but I was Fiona for Halloween last year. I remember because you were a babe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The first person I sent a picture to was Martha. <laughs> you should put those in the link, those in the in the description box of the episode description. Um, if you would like to see Jess, just send us a DM and we'll get that to you. Oh, it's so – I also – you know what you are? It's like you're, you're like um, if you were a kid and you had a sister who had like a cool best friend or like a camp counselor you love, that's the vibe. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe yeah. you are. Oh, it's just you. so thank accurate you. and so fun. Uh, and of course, you're the mom to two beautiful boys um, <laughs> who we'll talk about a little bit today and hear more about their story. But um, you bring multiples moms. You give them the best name ever. You are a role model for that for yeah. that group. Also featured in one of our um, illustration collections, our sticker collections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um one of her images was kind of turned into a really beautiful tribute to to multiples mamas. And so definitely go on the website and look at the illustrations by Raya Hope and see if you can find which one is her. It's the hot <laughs> one. There's the one with two boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, with the two little boys. I love it. Okay, well, can we start at the very beginning, Jess? Let's chat a little bit about when you found out you were pregnant with Morgan and Jamie. Yeah. Okay. So um, everyone's going to take a trip on the Magic School Bus to 2020. <gasps> oh my gosh. Scary. Can we not? <laughs> just kidding. For you, we will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had just gotten married in 2019 and my husband and I were like ready to just like explore what our family would look like. Um, and we didn't know when that would be. And then my dad got pretty sick during COVID. Um, it was like the beginning of COVID in the United States. And he got pretty sick and he ended up passing. And Mm -hmm. I had this realization at his wake when we were all lit as could be, (laughs) Um, just like my dad would have been. And we said, why aren't we trying to make a baby? And we did um, a few months of just like learning what that meant to us. And we didn't necessarily, we weren't successful at first. So I went and I got one of those fun little Amazon kits. And I was like, let's (laughs) learn about ovulation. (laughs) you know, something that they don't really teach us about at all as women, um, that we're just like kind of forced to learn ourselves. We know what yep. we know what period is, but what's the rest of it mean? Yeah. And um, I kind of did that for like a month and was like, what? this is kind of just like not feeling right. The whole world is chaos. And why don't we just stop? 
So we did. Um, I had like a month's worth of those tests. And after that, nothing happened. And we were like, well, we'll just stop for now. And that's when things happen, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I got pregnant in June of 2020. And I found out because I was sitting on the couch and I was like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to do anything today. And I liked having time to do things. We had just bought a house. So every day I was enjoying um, being, you know, locked in the house with my husband, which I know a lot of people, was, that's a sensitive time. I get it, everybody. <laughs> but I enjoyed doing things. And I was kind of in the vibe where I was just not having having it that day and got up and I had a pregnancy test from the dollar store. And I was like, well, let's just try it. And <laughs> I was pregnant and my husband was uh, at a work meeting and he heard oh me just like, kind of like, <laughs> he was like <laughs> oh rushing out, probably thought I was dying. And he was like, what's going on? And I said, says, what? And I'm trying to make words and I'm pointing and he's like, oh man, you're pregnant, huh? <laughs> so um, we were just like floored. We were excited. Like, of course, like I said, it's when you don't try to do things that it yeah. all ends up working out. Mm-hmm. And that was <laughs> and, so, yeah. so early in COVID still, mm-hmm. like the yeah. summer right after was still mm-hmm. so many unknowns and so much that, yeah. you know, we, none of us knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And I was working, I was a preschool teacher at a school district that was like a 45 minute drive away. And I loved oh, it. I mean, it was good money. It was what I needed as a young woman. But then I started to think, okay, we have a baby coming. I don't necessarily want to drive all that way and kind of tried to like, look at what the future would look like. And how could you? We had no yeah. idea, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. All these things you think about when you become a new parent, you had no idea what was going to happen. So why am I even thinking about work? It was summer, so I didn't. Ha- I wasn't in um, in school. We were a traditional school district calendar where we had summers off, and I was just kind of ready to just say, okay, let's just do it. Let's just see what happens and kind of go with the flow. And that's what we tried to do. Yeah. And then yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> and then what to- happened, Jess? <laughs> <laughs> so then. Um, I went to the doctor, you know, like you do, and she has an ancient ultrasound machine that she wheels in. <laughs> and she's um, she's also my gynecologist, so she put it on there, and she's like, "Oh, you're pregnant! Oh, how lovely! You were right!" You know, one of those yeah. moments where you're like, "Okay, yeah, I'm so glad that my insurance is going to cover this because yeah, right. <laughs> I could have told you that too." <laughs> um, my dollar store yeah, test told me yes, that. exactly. So. Um, she scheduled me out to go see OB and because of COVID, my husband wasn't going to be able to come. And I was like, this is our first kid. Like that is such a disappointment. I went and I booked a um, baby image 3d. Okay. One of those nice people that love to love to have this intimate setting. And there was like music playing and it was gorgeous. But when I signed up for it, they were like, are you interested in finding out the gender? So I said, yeah, what's that about? And she's like, it's $100 and you get your blood drawn and then we send it and we tell you or we can tell someone else if you want it to be a surprise. And it was like all, you know, it's like when you go to the the store and somebody's telling you all these cool (laughs) things about some new product. I said, yeah. So I went there that morning and I got to see the room that the ultrasound would be in and got my blood drawn. And then I came back with my husband about two hours later and realized that I just wasted a hundred dollars because there were two babies in there. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and um, they were definitely fraternal when they got them on there. They they saw that they were the two separate sacks and everything. So they have kind of looked at me and were like, "Well, maybe you can do two gender reveals." Oh my god! <laughs> because unless it came back that they were both like, that there was like the girl DNA then they'd both be girls. But if it was boy, there was no way to tell which one was a boy or oh, if they both were. so <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So it was just one of those moments where we're like, well, let's just, like I said, just try it out, see what happens. No planning, really. We don't know what's happening yet in the world. Wow. So we did a little gender reveal where one of my friends had made little cake balls for me and my husband. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, we did have some extra that we ended up like bringing to his parents' house. We found out that there was a boy. We knew one was a boy. And um, 
the the moment I'll never forget was that I was cursing COVID the whole time, right? We all were. Yeah. But also, I didn't get to see my husband's reaction because we had these yeah. big funky masks on our faces. Right. <laughs> Love that we did. I was all for that. But I was like, man, yeah. I would have loved to see that jaw wow. drop. <laughs> right. No kidding. Jess, what was your reaction when you found out it was twins? Do twins run in your family? I'm sure you've told us this a hundred times, but I cannot remember, recall. So my grandma was a twin back in 30-whatever or so, <laughs> 1930s. And um, obviously medical equipment wasn't as, as advanced as we are today, and her twin brother didn't make it. Um, mm. And... I think I was, like I said, I was mad. I just wasted a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> my only, re my reaction wasn't, oh man, this is going to be expensive in the future. It was a hundred dollars. We're in a global pandemic. We are pinching right. pennies right now. Yeah. Like I didn't know if I was going back, like with COVID and the schools and everything, who knew if I was going to be going mm -hmm. back to work. And, yeah. um, but I think I was more so in this mentality that I think I knew. And I kind of went back and I thought about all the times that things had just felt like it would be that way. Um, the day I found out I was pregnant, my aunt called me to tell me that she found a set of bunk beds on the side of the road and she was going <sighs> to pick them up. Um, and if I ever needed them, she'd have them. Um, oh my gosh. Then the day I found out that there was twins and I was going to text her, she had sent me a picture. I have chickens um, at home and she had some, <laughs> she's an egg lady. She loves my eggs. And she had sent me a picture of three of my chicken's eggs, all different colors. We have some that lay blue, brown, green. Um, she said, sent me a picture of them. And three of them had been double yolks. And oh my gosh. we just kind of like, you know, my husband and I, I was like, I, got, I was about to call her and I opened my phone to see this text message. So when I called her, I said, I, you, you knew it, didn't you? And she said, yeah. She's like, I just... I had a feeling because we had talked to her about starting our family journey and what that would look like. And she said, I saw those two beds and I just knew. And she still <laughs> say that she knew it was two boys, but I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. But is this yeah, your mom or your dad's sister? This is my dad's sister. Mm -hmm. And um, she's always been like the second mom to me. My parents were never mm -hmm. together when I was young. I was um, always going to my grandmother's house and she lived right down the street from this aunt. And mm -hmm. I'm very, very close with her children. Um, on my dad's side, all of her, my grandmother's children have one girl. I'm the only one that's an only child. So the rest of them all have stuck with brothers, but we're pretty tight. Like all of us girls yeah. are tight. So we, um, especially our two aunts, I always look out for the girls that on their uh -huh. side was my dad. So they, they're they like, oh, you have a man that's trying to look out for you. I'll look out for you too, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yes. And um, so it was just one of those things where I just, I was, I was elated because I had never seen that experience firsthand. I didn't really have friends that were twins growing up. I didn't ever mm -hmm. um, have family members that were pregnant and had twins or anything like that. So um, that was, I was just ready. I was gearing. I was excited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, and I feel like, again, we're at this like really weird place in the pandemic where there was so much unknown, but I remember one of the like quote populations that was talked about a lot on the news was if you were pregnant, mm -hmm. it was like, if you're old and if you're pregnant, <laughs> you know, like it was like, those are the two of the populations that were like, we really need to be careful. So in your appointments, did you feel like you were given a lot of information about like staying home more or like, what did you feel like your pregnancy protocols were maybe compared to like what they would have been if we weren't in a pandemic? Mm -hmm. um, I will out my OB office when I say right now that they tried to talk to me about how twin pregnancies don't always have to be a high risk pregnancy. And that's the truth. Um, but in the middle of a pandemic, you know, there's thoughts behind that. Okay, sure. It might not be, a high risk as, as you would think, but everything around us is high risk right yeah. now. So what does yeah. that mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of questions I had to ask and I didn't know if maybe that was like the teacher coming out for me and knowing my, sure. what my protocol was during this time. Um, but I definitely struggled with that communication barrier. I was young. Mm -hmm. um, oh man, I have to math guys. I think I was what, 24 <laughs> when I was pregnant and um, those are just things that we don't necessarily know to mm -hmm. ask. Um, yeah, I felt like I was walking out of appointments with questions yeah. that 
I didn't even think of until afterwards. And then oh, I was yeah. getting angry with myself. Why weren't you thinking of these things? And um, again, back to that lovely ovulation thing. Ain't nobody talks to us about what it yeah, means yeah, yeah. to be pregnant. We know what we know the the biological cycle of it, but what does that mean? And what do you have to do? Um, so I definitely struggled with a lot of um, boundaries. What did that look like for myself? I'm a very social person. Um, I'm around people a lot, so. I definitely did a lot of those like game nights with our friends and I know half of them didn't really want to, but they did because of, you know, they knew I couldn't, I couldn't do much. I couldn't leave and mm -hmm. um, even go to like outdoor things. I wasn't very chill with um, for a long time yeah. until mm -hmm. we got to about like that viability um, range in those, those crucial weeks. Until then I was, I was pretty, pretty comfortable just keeping to myself. Yeah. Besides when I had to go back to work. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then when they were talking about how like a twin pregnancy doesn't necessarily always mean high risk, had they talked to you about the NICU or like kind of talked to you about potential early delivery or were they just kind of like, nope, I think it'll be normal and everything will be fine. At first, it definitely seemed like that. Um, I have a blessing of knowing what the heck an NICU meant, right? <laughs> what NICU meant. Because in uh, college, I was in a sorority that worked um, in partnership with the March of Dimes. So oh, I had, I sure. yeah, I had done a lot of work um, with the NICU. You're my so boys cool. Actually, <laughs> um, <laughs> with the NICU that my boys were actually at, I got to do a lot of work with and we, um, we would do different things during sorority recruitment where we would make things to drop off at the children's hospital. Um, mm. There was a time where all of us were trying to get um, certified to be volunteers there until you realize that that's really not something a college kid, not necessarily, <laughs> not that we shouldn't have been doing it, but like it, it's a lot of, it's almost like applying for a job at a hospital. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things we had to do. And um, I had at least known what some of those machines would look like, what certain things um, meant. And I I definitely got in my own head at first. I went and I joined twin mom groups on Facebook, which is mm. a lot of a lot of our listeners right now probably found this exact organization because they looked up NICU mom on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, so I joined a lot of twin groups and I had to definitely manage how often I was looking at them because there was mm -hmm. a lot of NICU babies, um, especially with mm -hmm. COVID. There was a lot of um, deliveries that even if they were full term, they weren't early. A lot of these babies, their mamas, you know, they weren't doing so hot at the time. And um, it just came down to the the point where I was preparing myself more than I think my, my uh, OBs were. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? I wonder if you could talk a little bit now too, because what you do for Dear Nikki Mama really leans into it. And now even the more they think about it, how well suited you are to this because of this experience. But if you find that you are pregnant with multiples or maybe there's some other high risk elements to your pregnancy, and a lot of people do, they find this out. And so like you say, we try and find information on our own and try to find other people who have had that experience to either validate or offer support or advice or encouragement. Um, so when you do that, you talked about how you set those boundaries. Could you talk a little bit about how you discern that for yourself a little bit? Because I think that's a really common thing that happens for women in our community. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Once we go in farther, there's going to be a lot more where I'm sure you're going to be thinking, oh, oh, oh. Um, but yeah, it came to the point where I I wish I would have known the things I know now, right? This is the space yeah. we have is that we have these mentors and we have these people that have walked the path before us and the ones that'll do it after us. Mm -hmm. I definitely would suggest if you are pregnant with multiples to one, find a hospital that does have a, a NICU that will support them at whatever age you might deliver them um, to find OBs that might actually specialize in multiples um and to not just let your insurance pick for you right yeah, like yeah. i think as i've become a parent and in, in my later 20s i have realized that if i'm i'm giving these people money there should be a reason i am i should be doing some of the digging myself and my first suggestion would always to be you know even if you've had children and you have had an ob that you love and you've been with I think that there is a point where it's it's necessary to find somebody that is more skilled and more knowledgeable in the realm of multiples and what that might look like. And I noticed that a lot later in my journey as well. I started to dilate, I want to say around 24 weeks. 
So I was at least proud of myself, you know, Hey, look at us. We, we made it to viability. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's like I said, when I started to kind of let loose on some things. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I went to the apple orchard and went and picked up cider and oh my goodness, that must be the reason why this is happening. Well, no, it's Mm -hmm. not at all. (laughs) Jess, it's not, it's not somebody screaming from behind. It's not, it's not. But at the time I start, I start progressing and I start having these, um, you know, toxic thoughts in my head, trying to put the blame on myself. And mm-hmm. um, the whole time it was kind of like, oh, we'll just keep monitoring it. We'll keep monitoring it. Around 26 weeks, I was hospitalized um, for having high blood pressure. Um, but I would love to paint a picture for everyone listening about a, a woman my height. I will tell everybody that's listening, <laughs> I am 4'10". I am not, <laughs> I, I am not some basketball hoop girly. Um, so my little body at 26 weeks was just funny looking. I was ginormous. <laughs> the boys never laid like very nicely. They never did the nice yin and yang. You see on like the illustrations <laughs> of twin moms or um, when you oh go to like, the science museum and you see the multiple right. belly. No, they were never being nice. <laughs> so oh I was always gosh. just so big. Um, and I couldn't have anyone in there with me. So it was mm. December in Michigan. Yeah, I had high blood pressure. I had to take my pants off, my boots, my underwear, all this mm-hmm. and that. Um, and then that they would come in and they would do the exam. And then sometimes they would kind of do it rose reverse where the exam would be first and then they do vitals. So this is a situation where they had done the exam and I was getting dressed and then they came in to do vitals and it was oh, COVID. Man. So they, they were kind of monitoring who was going in each room and it wasn't as fluid as like a regular doctor's office would be any other time of, you know, our lives. Yeah. <laughs> and right. I was, yeah, my blood pressure was high. I just worked out. Yeah. <laughs> put these clothes oh. back on. Um, and I oh. just remember thinking that that was it. Okay. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to have these babies. And it wasn't. Um, I was only there for about four hours, I would say, and I came home and I didn't like get much of a follow-up or anything. Luckily, my mother-in-law is a nurse, so we are a little cautious around these parts where we have equipment to, you know, do that. So she brought over the, the nice electric blood pressure reader, plugged it in, put the cuff on, and I was fine. We checked it for weeks and I was fine. And then around 28 weeks, um, I went back and, you know, I I was progressing a little bit more. I think I was dilated to a four and they were like, well, we're going to keep you overnight and um, just kind of get some readings on the boys. And that kind of scared me because I was asking, well, yeah, this was the first time you guys haven't told me how great the heartbeats are or how Mm. moving and this and that. So I got really panicked and I was hospitalized overnight on my own because of COVID. (laughs) Mm. Uh, I couldn't eat I couldn't eat I couldn't eat I was miserable I was laying there just thinking like what am I supposed to do if if I do Mm. go into labor what does that feel like right nobody really talks about what it feels like you just Mm. hear oh my water breaks and you go right especially a lot Mm. of us in our community we were just waiting for those signs the only things Mm. that tv radio parents that will tell you happen and I ended up being able to go home the next day because everything seemed chill So Jess, throughout your pregnancy, you had a couple of scares where they were checking your blood pressure. You were maybe going to stay over, maybe not. And so tell us a little bit about your delivery and what was kind of the final straw where they were like, nope, you're not going anywhere. Boys are coming. So the night before New Year's Eve in 2020, we're about to ring in the new year, 2021. <laughs> I go to the OB and I'm seeing a doctor for the first time um, because we were at a practice with multiple different doctors and I was a little nervous. I was kind of frustrated because he didn't even deliver at the hospital I was going to deliver at. Um, but I went in and I said, I'm just going to do it. It's fine. So I did my check and he says, all right, Um, I just want to know, what have they talked to you about? What have they told you? And, you know, all I said was that I've been in once for high blood pressure that they deemed to be nothing. Um, I went in once because I was progressing and the heart rates were not as great as they usually were, but everything was fine and I went home. And he said that now was the time we needed to talk about starting to um, take progesterone. He was kind of floored that it hadn't been talked about before. 
Um, mm. With all of like my COVID Googling that I was doing, I definitely, um, mm. definitely learned what that could be and what that would help with. And I never had the nerve to talk about it with my other um, doctors I had saw because I was struggling with mm. a lot of that um, that feeling that I was too young and too, you know, unknowledgeable to be talking about those things. So he said he wanted to start me on, um, progesterone explained that it was a compound drug and it was going to be hard to get, but we were going to make it happen. So I drove around for about four hours in a blizzard all around Flint, Michigan, (laughs) trying to find someone that would make a compound drug the day before New Year's Eve. And, um, unfortunately, I ended up dropping it off on that, that day and we had New Year's Eve. It was wonderful. New Year's Day was great. And then, um, I want to say it was the morning of the, the second, um, kind of into the, into the second, it was around midnight or so I was like, Oh man, I think I just peed myself a little bit. How embarrassing. Um, I called my mother-in-law to ask if it was my water breaking. And she said, well, if it hasn't been a gush, it's probably okay. Um, we'll just see how it goes. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. So I went on with the next day and everything was great until again, it was around the exact same time the night before, um, where I got out of bed and I felt like I just peed. And that time I was like, I definitely want to at least go and make sure everything's okay. Um, my husband was still working from home like every day during that time of, uh, COVID and, I was like, can you just pack up your laptop in case we have to stay and yada, yada. And he said, okay, that's fine. And I decided I wanted to go to the hospital that the um, other doctor delivered at, that he, he had all this knowledge. And like I had previously said, it was the hospital that I used to go and volunteer with. And um, hmm. I knew that they had a NICU there. And I knew in my heart that that was probably what was going to end up happening. So we went in on um, the second into the third. So I think it was about 2 a.m. on the third. And I called my uh, OB who was on call, who was asleep, obviously. I I preached to them because they're doing their thing. But I called her and I don't think she was expecting me to say, I'm not going to this hospital. I'm going to a different one. And I think she was pretty caught off guard. (laughs) She was asking questions. Well, why? Why? No, no, no. Come here. Like, I'm here. We can talk and I want to check you out. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going. Um, And we uh, we were already on our way to the other one anyway. Luckily, this one was about five minutes from home, which ended up being the biggest blessing in the world and um, mm-hmm. something that we didn't even know that would, would be something we needed so badly. So we, we get there and they do an exam and yeah, one of the waters did break, um, but he has lots of fluid still. So let's just kind of see how things are going. They were both head down when we went there and it was 30 weeks and two days and um they got me all checked in. We went to the um, the labor and delivery floor and they just wanted to make sure things weren't progressing anymore. And, you know, did did all the lovely things that us preemie mommies get. We got the, the magnesium where every 20 seconds um, everyone's coming in and asking if, if I'm okay. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, and it wasn't until I realized that... Um, a lot of people, this is so, this is so bad. A lot of people will try to have their babies on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day because the oh, hospital yeah. gives a scholarship or some type of grant. Oh my gosh. To the, oh Lord. To the first child. Therefore, the entire floor was empty. Empty. Um, so yeah, everyone's coming 20 minutes to ask if I'm okay because everybody has nothing else to do right now. Oh my um, gosh. And, you know, I remember reaching out to some people in the twin mom groups that I had met asking, you know, had you had magnesium? Um, yeah, I did. It was awful and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if maybe it was because I had so many people coming and talking to me that I was fine. <laughs> um, and we basically uh, got everything under control and they wheeled me into um, the mother and baby unit where, again, there was nobody there. Um, I think there was one other mom who had just had her baby there and, um, they're like, we're just going to keep you here. Um, we're going to do an ultrasound in, later in the day and we'll do another one the next morning and make sure that fluids are good. So we went in, um, that night to do the ultrasound down at the basement and everything seemed good. He had lots of fluid. This was baby A. Um, and he basically was looking good. So we kept going and, um, the next morning I went down there and, 
this was the morning of the fourth and everything was great still. He was looking good. They weren't both head down anymore. Like I said, they were never nice like that. They always had to lay <laughs> different shapes. At this point, they were laying like a T. And the uh, ultrasound oh technician, she kind of laughed. She's like, I'm not going to be able to get you a single picture of baby A. He is so low. She asks me when the last time I had measurements on him was. And I thought back to um, week 28 when I had had the last um, ultrasound done. She had to go in with a probe because of how low baby A's head was. She couldn't get a measurement on his head. So she said that, you know, he's just right down there. I can't get any pictures of him, but baby B and baby A are all healthy. Um, I just can't get any, any images. So we kind of went on this um, back and forth with the different doctors about, are we going to schedule something at a certain time? How long can I keep him in there? Um, I don't want infection. What would that look like? And they said that they would end up delivering the boys at 34 weeks, which to the date would have been the day that my dad had passed away. Mm. And I remember thinking like, whoa, whoa, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That is just like, it just gave me chills. Um, just because of how our family starting journey had looked like we were building it based mm -hmm. off of um, losing him. And we just kind of had a great rest of the day. I ate all the food I wanted <laughs> from the hospital <laughs> menu. Um, my husband was working. I think we had gone or he had left to go check on the dogs at my in-laws house and he came back and around 8 PM, I was just feeling like I had to poop and, mm. poop, and poop. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, babe, I don't know what this feels like. I don't know what's going on. Like I'm trying and nothing's happening. And so finally a nurse came in, um, because I was doing so well, it was just kind of, you know, almost like a, somebody come and check in, making sure we had water and cookies. And she says, what's going on? I said, I've been on this toilet for like 20 minutes and I just feel like I have to poop. And just the look on her face, I could just tell. I just knew that she knew that that was going to be the time. Um, and she had left and I just was in excruciating pain as soon as she walked out the door. I, it was just like, mm -hmm. common, kind of like comedy. <laughs> I always say it was like just watching a, t like a TV show or a movie because as soon as she turned, I was like, ah! happening oh my gosh oh, it was outrageous um I had um I, I had an IV in and um she says I'm gonna go get you a ball I'm gonna go do, get you a ball and we're gonna do hands and knees again I'm only oh. four ten I have a huge belly and I'm just kind of laughing I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna need the ball and she's like okay then let's just do hands and knees so she gets me on my hands and knees and she goes out to get a doctor to come in and do a check and my IV busts and my arm is oh. swelling. It's comedy. Oh, my, husband, yes. my husband's screaming. I'm like, what's happening? And it's like, you know, it's one of those things oh. that you never think you'll see in your body. And uh, right. Oh, Freaky my stuff. God. Um, so I'm like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. And he doesn't know how. So I just ripped it out and saline or whatever is in there spraying off the room. Oh, my <laughs> God. And um, you're on your hands and knees. Oh, my God. So funny. Um, oh. so then so exposed uh, too, like that's such an exposing position. Oh, <laughs> like you're just wearing. And because this was mother and baby unit, the rooms were so small and the beds yeah. were so oh. big. So about eight doctors come in, all of the residents as well, you know, and he, he's going to go do an exam. And, um, apparently that I was bleeding and I, I obviously didn't know I couldn't, I couldn't see half that for half the pregnancy anyway. So oh my gosh. <laughs> there's no way to have known that myself. And, um, he says, I'm looking at a baby's head right now. You are, Oh my gosh. You have progressed. He looks back at the chart. They had come in around seven 30 and I was at a five and I was staying there. It was like, that was like nothing had ever, um, I'd never progressed from there until eight o'clock. I was at a nine and he said, it's time we have to go. And that was the most chaotic like minute of my life. My IV busting mm -hmm. again. Yeah. I'm hands and knees. Everything's out to <laughs> everything's out for show. And saline <laughs> is all over the place. And oh. um, I finally get my back and oh. that. And, um, uh, a few nurses rushed to go grab my husband some scrubs, and uh, he said that before he could open his eyes, I was 
strategically being wheeled out of this tiny room. This bed is hitting walls. They're hitting people. Gosh. Oh, my um, God. These beds don't break down, right? They're not the ones that are meant for delivery. Um, Why do they do that? <laughs> I wasn't progressing. Everything was fine. We were oh. going to chill for four weeks. And um, it just it was just enlightening to see how quick things can happen. Um, yeah. Again, like at seven thirty, I was I was at a five, and then come eight thirty or so, I was already almost at a ten, and this mm-hmm. baby was going to fall out. Um, and had they both been in um, head down position, I would have probably just delivered right there. Um, but because baby B was laying like a T or the top of the T, rather <laughs> way up in my ribs, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people don't like realize how unsafe it would be for that. Um, that all that shared space is gone and that that baby could tumble and wrap a cord around its neck, especially Mm. since they had their own placentas. So we rushed out and, um, my husband had the, his phone out. Um, by the time they got me out of there, I want to say it was like closer to nine 30. Cause again, it was comedic how hard it was to get this bed out of this. Gosh. Oh, so then after we get out there, um, they throw him some scrubs and stuff, uh, like I had said, and he's just opens his eyes and just chaos. I'm, I'm out the room and I just remember going into the OR where there was about 16 other people. So my whole posse mm-hmm. of like eight plus are rolling in with me. And then I'm looking at like all of these people, different ages, um, students with clipboards and, you know, just this absolute wild feeling that like, I, I felt like an experiment and I come from, um, I have a teaching background, but I also have a biology background. I have a minor in field bio. So I know what, like what it looks like almost to be in like operation when we would do different things with different animals or, um, it was one of those things where I was like, wow, this is crazy. I was screaming. I remember just being in this utter like realm of just like panic, absolute panic. And the pain was so bad, I wasn't able to get up. I don't know where I thought I was going to go, but I was trying to get up. I was um, just distraught. And it took this nurse who um, she had been there. I think she was getting ready to leave. And she had only ever come in once to just check on um, our water, if we need any more water or whatever. She grabbed me by the chin and she says, honey, we're getting this together. Your life is happening right now. You have no time to get up and walk away, but this is happening. Um, meanwhile, I hear people shouting about IVs, um, and I'm thinking about how my arm was literally the size of a balloon a minute ago and how they're supposed to be putting something back in that arm. But obviously, you know, they put IVs wherever they can. So, um, they had a woman come from a different unit. I forget where that was like specialized in IVs because they needed it to be now. So by the time she gets down there, it's closer to 10 and they, um, they get my IV on and she, she lets go of my face. She's kind of calming me the whole time. And she says, it's going to happen now. And that's all I remember. Um, wow. uh, it's all I, I remember her saying it's, it's time to happen now. And I, I felt kind of like, I don't know. It felt kind of like eternal, like that this was like going to be where I was forever. And that's not the mm-hmm. way it is. It's never that way, but in your head, it's so easy to get stuck in that moment where this is what life is like forever. I'm going to always feel this way. Um, yeah. And I just fell asleep. And my husband said that um, they had him ready by 1030 because um, they had to do scrubbing in and they had to talk to him about things. And by the time it was 1030, he was about to start walking down that way when they said that it was too late. Um, and to him, like, what does that mean? Right. Oh like my God. literal chaos. Um She's, you know, she saw the look on his face, he says, and she says, it, no, 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 no. I'm so sorry. I should have used better language. Um, it's, it's, it's happening now. We can't go in. It's, it's just not okay for us to go in during this right now. So he said that he um, saw two little isolettes get rolled right out. Mm-hmm. And they said, all right, you want to go meet your boys? And he was mm-hmm. wearing his, his scrubs and stuff. So they had, they helped him take them off. And um, I had brought our camera. I like to document a lot of stuff and um, I brought our camera just to see what happened. And he, I love him to death, but <laughs> the picture was so funny when he came back, but he, he got his camera out. Somebody took pictures of him doing it. Um, and he oh, got to go wow. and he, he got to see the boys. And wow. um, I felt as if he kind of stepped into the role of 
the patient. He didn't know what questions to ask because he had never experienced it. He didn't know um, how he should feel because he had never experienced it. And it just mm-hmm. felt like we were young kids, he said. It, it just truly felt like he, he didn't know what he was supposed to say or ask. And when it came down to it, um, he came back with not much information other than um, the fact that they were fine, they're okay, um, and that he just waited for me to wake up. And when I woke up, mm-hmm. I remember just being high as the sky. I remember being a rock star. I was like, I did it. And he's like, you did it. You did. It was such a proud moment. Um, even though I don't remember a single thing because I wasn't able to, I'll always remember that um, people feel that way. You know, I've heard of my friends or my family talk about after they push that baby out that they feel they did it. Right. Um, so I, I felt that that proud, that proud feeling. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like even though it wasn't traditional and it wasn't what you see on TV or it wasn't what you've been told in the past from other people. It was like, yeah, I still did the dang thing. It still happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was just one of those moments where I looked at the last day that we, you know, we went back and forth through so many things that we were going to be here for yeah, so long yeah. or, um, and they were both born at the same time technically. And I didn't know until after we got the birth certificates that it says which one came first and second. And that's the like, darn, I was going to try to milk it their whole lives, but not one of them was than the other. Um, but they came out at Morgan at three pounds and Jamie at two fourteen, and, mm. um, they were doing okay. And that's all that we were told. And I was ready. I was gearing. As soon as I could get out of that bed, I was going to go see these kids. And Mm -hmm. it only was about, so they were born at 1054, technically, after they um, did all that. I was back in the room by midnight, I think my husband said. And I was in a wheelchair by midnight 30. Like, I was good. Oh, wow. I was rocking and rolling. She says, we got to pump first. I say, okay, show me how. And she did. Took some pictures of that. That was funny. (laughs) And then I said, okay, give me the chair now, please. And we did. Yeah. And um, that's, like, the beautiful behind, like, anesthesiology and, like, the science behind it all. Because they give you just the right amount. Just as long as you need it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. Mm -hmm. And I so resonate with just, like, the fast-paced, like – okay, it's happening. There's no time to really process. No. You're put under and then you wake up and you're like, okay, fill me in. Yeah. What just happened? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Do you have photos, video, yes. anything to kind of help me understand? Yeah. Oh man. So when you met your boys then and your NICU journey kind of like officially kicked off, you know, like how mm-hmm. was that for you? And did you really, was that when you really began to like, okay, this is, this is happening. This is it. Yeah. I um I remember making uh, making a point that we had this camera and we're gonna do something with it. So we had video of um us being wheeled up or us <laughs> me being wheeled up there. <laughs> um we did the scrubbing in and all that lovely stuff and then uh, there's there's videos of us first lifting the um the blankies off of their their isolates and I just remember looking at at Morgan baby A and just looking at his head. <laughs> And, you know, they always say that preemies have big heads and big hands, big feet. But this kid has a head today. Like, his head is is massive. And I remember looking at that head and thinking, yep, you were coming right out, weren't you? There was no stopping that thing. Um, oh and he was just gorgeous. I looked over at Jamie, and he just literally, as soon as he came out, looked just like his dad. And I knew that he was going to be on my shit list for a while so many things in my he's the one life. that was like shaped like the t right yep, the top of the t right in wow. my yeah yep. and that tracks because your husband is so tall oh, yeah. i don't know why but i just feel like that tracks yeah it was just it cracked me up and i looked at him and i just knew that this was just gonna be fun and i had no idea what our next steps were going to be um luckily i did um meet with the neonatologist that was on call um i want to say the first day we were there. So we hadn't like necessarily had any um, like of the big emotions come up yet because everything seemed like normal and level. So he went through like what the different weeks would look like at if you do deliver at 30, if you do deliver at 31, mm-hmm. if you do whatever right. until 34, which is what our goal was. And um, so I at least had heard some terms. So when they came to me, they were talking and, you know, yeah, okay, that's exactly, that checks out. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. He will need, they both will need respiratory support. That's right. Um, they kind of talked to us a little bit about the different types of feeding um, and how the first, uh, 
the first few days there won't be any need for my breast milk. So do not think that that is what you need to do right now. Do not think that that's something you need to do. And it was just kind of lovely to hear and refreshing, especially nowadays, mm-hmm. um, listening yeah. to how many people talk about how the first thing they were told to do is just hook up to a pump. Um, mm-hmm. So it was beautiful to have that time where all of the puzzle pieces were connecting, all the words I had heard and um, the equipment that I maybe I had seen in the past but didn't know the terms for. I had had that, the mm-hmm. image of what this looked like and the term for what it was, and it clicked together. So we mm-hmm. um, we kind of just embarked on that to that journey together of what does this look like now as as a family right so mm-hmm. what will that be like for us um what was really unfortunate was that the hospital we were at um didn't really tr- not, i don't want to say they didn't treat twins like two different kids because they did um but we were only allowed to be the visitors for each of them um I have heard mm-hmm. of other ones where, you know, they kind of pulled it off where mom could be a BBA's visitor and then an additional family member. So we just kind of knew that, okay, they're, they're going to be our little, our little bundles for a long time. And I was okay with that because of COVID and stuff, but they're the first grandchildren for both sides. And it was, um, it was just really almost heartbreaking as the people pleaser. I am Martha said in the beginning that I'm always trying to, trying to make others feel so, so appreciated and so um, warm and welcome. And it was really hard to have to tell family that, you know, it's not happening, that you're not going to see them until we come home. And I think that was what stressed me out the most was that I got to be here and I got to share in this moment with my husband, but our family is not just the four of us. Even today, it's not the four of us. It's, it's Mm -hmm. his, his family, it's my parents. And um, so it was really, I think we're, that's where I struggled the most was that we, we weren't going to be able to share this with other people, like the traditional, mm-hmm. the traditional um, birth and not COVID births would look like. Yeah, for sure. I think there's, you echo so much of what so many people have described with COVID deliveries too, like this idea of being really extra isolated in the NICU and then, you, you know, um, that experience of not being like really fully as a family or being able to share the boys with your loved ones until you come home. Right. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that journey to home? Like what, when were you able to come home? You know, were they able to come mm-hmm. out at the same time? That's always another thing for, for multiples too. Yeah. It's so hard. Sometimes you're caught yeah. in between. Yeah. I think um, that was a, a thing I never had comprehended. I never had thought that we would have the journey we had where, um, we had two feeder growers, right? It was, it was lovely. I was, I was blessed to never have had any hiccups. Um, Jamie, he was the smaller guy. He stays small. He's small today, but he rocked and rolled through every single thing on his checklist, right? We all know the checklist. <laughs> um, and, uh, Morgan was usually one day behind one or two days behind that until it came to respiratory supports. Um, we could not get him off of, um, just low flow. There was, there was no getting him off of low flow oxygen. Um, and the day that Jamie came home was the day that Morgan got to get off of his low flow. So it was the hardest day and the greatest day. Um, Jamie had stayed, um, one extra day just for logistics of things. Um, I have no idea how they helped us out with that. But um, with logistics Mm. of it all and what that would look like um, to have him come home. So we did um, was that my husband would he would take his start his FMLA as soon as Jamie came home. So he was able to stay home during the morning or no, I stayed home during the mornings with Jamie. Um, And then he would go to the hospital and do rounds with Morgan. And um, Mm. that was really hard because I think, yeah. I wanted to be there for those times and to hear these mm-hmm. things, but I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear the the reasoning behind why he wasn't coming. It was just yeah. so hard to, for me to comprehend that they couldn't be together. We also were at an yeah. issue where we couldn't bring him back. So Jamie couldn't come back and do visits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I remember having my husband go every morning and it was never... It was never great because we'd hear all these great things. He was off low flow. He was drinking his bottle. And then he'd have several Brady's in the middle of the night. And it was just constant where it was like we we made it to like, you know, so many days without anything. And then here we are again. And then so many days without anything. And here we are. Meanwhile, at home trying to like manage a newborn. And um, yeah, I was yeah. pumping at that time. So I was trying to pump 
to get milk up to, to Morgan. And, um, we, we successfully, um, based on where we were living, based on the life that we were living at the time, were able to go every single day, but it never felt enough. It never felt like yeah. they could, we could be that family. Cause we weren't, if one of us was mm-hmm. um, up there, we would FaceTime. I have like several screenshots of us FaceTiming the boys and it sounds mm. so silly um, cause they're literal newborns, but we needed them to at least have that space together. And, yeah. Yeah. um, Morgan yeah. ended up, uh, coming home in a way that I wasn't sure would be home. I didn't know if it was going to be going back in, in an hour or two, but he was having Brady's, um, mostly while he was eating. And it was usually mm. when nurses were doing the feeding and it was so hard to not be that, that mom yeah. that's frustrated with staff, but we would go in. And we would feed them or feed him at the time and, and nothing would happen. And so it's so hard to not be frustrated. But then finally we had a doctor. Um, we did the each week was a new doctor. And finally we got to the one um, that had been there when all this kind of started because it was about like a, a two and a half week journey of these ups and downs. And she said, I want him to go home. I want him to go home and I want you to call and I want you to come back if something happens. Um, you are so close to us that I feel confident if something did happen, that we'd be able to be there in time, that things would be, would be okay. So we brought him home very unexpectedly. It was, we were just there for yeah. rounds and all of a sudden it was okay. We're going to take him to Cirque right now. <laughs> Poor mm. thing. <laughs> um, we're taking him right now. We're doing it right now. C- come back from lunch. Uh, we had, by the way, anytime here. someone's, Anytime someone says Cirque, I think yeah. it's Cirque de Soleil. Like okay. they're taking them to see Cirque de Soleil. I'm so stupid. Um, but yeah, that's no, so crazy. Are. That happened so quickly. Yeah. And they took him back and we came back after lunch and we did XYZ and EP and we got to go. Right. So we brought him home and oh. um, we all looked at each other like, so who's feeding him? So who's going to do it? And he yeah, did not right. have a single scare ever since he had come home. Wow. Um, their doctors were even saying like maybe he just needed his brother um and I think we all just needed each other I had spent so many days Mm -hmm. just sobbing next to him it was just so unfair to Mm -hmm. him to to do that when I I wouldn't be doing that much at home with brother so once we all got to be home together we um we did the same thing with Jamie where we had my parents come over to um, my husband's parents house so we all were together and we all got to meet them and when we brought Morgan home I definitely felt this, um, this peace, this like inner, this inner harmony that like, goodness, they're all here. They're all together. We're all Mm -hmm. happy. And like I said, I I was so blessed to not really have many hiccups during our stay at all. Um, besides the feeding journey with Morgan, but then we really had the most smooth transition home. I think we could have had Morgan ended up nursing, Mm -hmm. which was crazy. Like he nursed for 11 months and, um, Whoa. it was just one of those things where I, I do wow. truly think that he just needed to be back with brother. And, um, oh. it was just such a lovely thing. It was just incredible to see them together. I tried to take photos and it was awful because it's not easy taking a picture of one infant, but when you put two next to each other. <laughs> two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they are so funny. They, to me, it's, there's such a, and this is maybe a little, they're very much like a blues brothers combo. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. They look, they are, you can tell they're brothers, but they have different looks and, um, mm-hmm. God, they're just, they're so adorable and so fun. Yeah. Yeah. They just feed each other so much different energy that I think to this day, <laughs> to this day when one of them has to go somewhere, like it's miserable for like at least 20 minutes until the other one calms down. <laughs> Um, definitely tied at the hip but they when they're in the same space they are comfortable doing different things but they have to know that so in you know so be that jamie's in the kitchen playing with play-doh and i am morgan playing with sand but they're in the same space they are separate they do things differently you know they're different people but they they thrive when they are at least in a shared space oh that is so beautiful yeah thank you so much for sharing about them when it's it was a really unique time for you as well. I feel like within a 12-month time frame, you went through so much in terms of loss and grief um, and also new life mm-hmm. and renewal in a lot yeah. of ways. 
And I, I wonder if you could talk about that for just a minute, just about mm-hmm. like what that season meant for you. And yeah. especially like we say, you know, you get older and there's so much, you know, now as a parent that mm-hmm. you wish you could go back and tell yourself, yes. you know, um, how did you change and how did it change you? I definitely um, felt the need to advocate. That was as soon as we were home, I was um, reaching out. And it's just, it's one of those things that the world works in a way that it does. And I was reaching out to these women on these these um, Facebook groups, you know, hey, um, I, I know you probably don't love this answer and I'm not trying to give you medical advice or anything, but I think you probably should go talk to a different doctor or maybe maybe you should find a doctor that is specializing um, in multiples births or high risk, whatever that might look like, because there was a lot of women that had gone through their first trimester, second trimester as gullible as I was, as um, as young as I had felt in I, I used that period of my life to to just have these boys and have them in love on them because they were here. We celebrated every single thing that they were doing. And and I wanted others to be able to have that, too. And I had been in these groups and I had seen a lot of the loss that a lot of these moms of multiples have had um, due to medical things where they could have been prevented. Um and I definitely took charge and I kind of found Dear Nikki Mama through that, that too. I found, I found this group of people that were just enlightening each other. They were advocating each other to, to be the best, you know, mom in person. They were not just necessarily mom. It was always coming down to the fact that in our group, we, we are looking for women that, that are okay with being vulnerable, that are okay with um, sharing their stories in a way that might not be as, as lovely as we'd expect. Right. I, I would, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to look back at this years from now and say, Oh man, you admitted that you were a dumb young kid. And yeah, I was. And I think that that's okay. I think it's okay to mm-hmm. know that we go through different seasons of life where we learn um, what our strengths and weaknesses are. And mine, my weakness was definitely like medical, medical stuff. I, I never knew what to talk to a doctor about. Um, nowadays when I go for my like, regular checkups with my PCP I'm open about every single thing I could be because why not yeah you know um and that was where I definitely got out of that was how to help others see that you you have a lot more to offer than what you're you're used to doing like step out of your comfort zone say things that you might not love the answer to um but that's the way we can we can make things better for all of us Mm -hmm. And don't forget to give yourself kudos for that because Mm -hmm. remember that time when you were going to deliver and you literally called your OB and you were like, JK, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to this other hospital too. That takes a lot of courage Mm -hmm. because you were in a very medically fragile emergency situation and you made that call for yourself and it was for sure the right call. Like, Yeah, um, through and through. Yeah. So, I mean, really kudos to you for for stepping up even when you felt really uncertain about it because – to be fair, also, it's um, it's something we're not taught as women and pregnant mm-hmm. women to really defend yourself and ask questions. We had a great provider on recently who said, look up all this stuff on the Internet and then bring it to me. Right. Yeah. She's like, that's the conversations you should have with people. And it's and it's really helpful. So, well, mm-hmm. Ash, do you have any of your final thoughts or questions you want to share? You're always so good at closing things out. You're like a walking no. Hallmark card. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um. No, I think Jess, you've you've given us so many tidbits of wisdom throughout your episode. Usually we reserve those for the end, but I feel <laughs> like you've done such a beautiful job of it. Oh, um, thank you. But maybe if we could give just a word of encouragement to any multiples Nikki mamas who maybe either just found out they're pregnant with multiples or have had maybe their first appointment that was labeled more high risk, mm-hmm. um, what encouragement you'd give those moms? at that point in their pregnancy? I think vulnerability is the word that I would, I would offer to be comfortable with that, to be comfortable that you don't know what will happen. And, and I mean, that was all of 2020, right? I had never Mm -hmm. known what our next step was going to be like. Um, I never knew if I was going to be going back to work and what that would look like. And um, when I allowed myself to be vulnerable and I allowed myself to, to talk to that, um, the doctor that I'd never seen before, I, I was, I mean, I was seconds away from asking if I could reschedule and just get one of the doctors I was comfortable with. Um, but allowing yourself to do those things and, and sound stupid. I mean, it's okay to sound, mm-hmm. to sound quote stupid because there are yes. new things. There are things that we might not know, but everybody that, that you open up to things about medical, um, 
you know, questions you have, they're never going to make you, they might make you feel that way. And I'm very sorry if you do, but they're, they're never going to allow you to walk away without an answer um, to at least some part of the question. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you allow yourself to know that you might not get the full answer or you might not get the answer you want to hear um, and you express yourself in a way that you feel comfortable with and allow yourself to be vulnerable in those situations is, is the best um, advice I have for any, any mom, whether they are high risk or not, whether they are multiples or not, allow yourself to ask those questions and, and feel dumb because guess what? You're not, you're not because you, because, (laughs) because you're asking those questions. You are a smart woman. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So true. Well, you are such a gift to the world just um to your family and especially to us and to this community you Mm -hmm. have made this community a more compassionate and loving place and we're so grateful for that so thank you so much it was such an honor to share your story and when we had some recording difficulties martha and i were both like wait did you know that about her story i didn't know that part of her (laughs) story it's always it's so So, cool to hear yeah, it was really fun to hear these more intimate parts of your story that we didn't know, and we're just more in awe of you, which we thought was impossible because we were already <laughs> at the top with how much we loved you, but we Aww. love you even more now. So thank you for being a part of this community and for sharing your story so bravely. And to all our NICU mamas listening here today, I hope one thing that you do really take away from this episode is, Jess, you were talking about right after you delivered, and you said that you felt pride mm-hmm. and that you were proud of yourself. And to any moms listening whose birth did not go as planned or you didn't have that picture perfect birth, I hope you give yourself permission to feel that pride. I think oftentimes our first feeling we feel is shame, Mm -hmm. but I hope today that you give yourself permission to also feel pride for what your body did and all that your body has done. So Nikki Mamas, you are worthy and loved as you are. Your story is significant. And to all of our multiples mamas listening, we also want to commend the um, endurance it takes to not just carry one, but two at the same time and to raise them. So (laughs) it was such a joy to get to share your story, Jess and mamas. We can't wait to catch you guys next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.